just want to use your love tonight Episode 15 of the Shoeless Goat Podcast, or a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I am your host, Nick. I'm joined once again by the mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. And, you know, I was just thinking, we were talking last week about how big of an episode it was with 14. And for me, uh, this, this, or yeah, so for this week for 15, this is my favorite non-Paul Canerco White Sox player of all time. That is, of course, uh, former first-round pick, Georgia Bulldog, and super second baseman Gordon Beckham so you know big week for me over here I made sure to check to see who the 15s were for both teams and Gordon Beckham was my number one followed by Tadahito Uguchi and Adam oh, yeah. Engel yeah for you know Cubs for the Cubs I went Darwin Barney of course gold glove second baseman mm-hmm. uh Jim Edmonds and Gary Gaetti so not I, as big of a week for me I forget but. Jim Edmonds played for the Cubs that's that's like one of those late veteran moves like Andrew Jones playing for the White Sox that you just always forget ever happened yeah, it was definitely a flash in the pan, and it was very uh, strange to see him not wearing Cardinal Red or Angel Red, I guess. But uh, it was a nice little stint here. He might be a LinkedIn player profile in the future. Yeah, you know, you just got, got to keep an eye out for those guys, which I guess these random numbers will be, you know, they might give some good precursors to that. Definitely. Okay, so we're going to start off the show the way we always started off. Uh, we're going to do a week recap. Uh, you've been starting the last couple times, so I'm going to start. The Cubs had a, again, just like a below average week. They, after losing the Sunday game today, they went, finished off the month of June, 15 and 16. It was a three and four week with a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, a lot of good and a lot of bad. So we're going to start off on Monday. Uh, the Braves are in town for four. It was an 8-3 win. Um, Lester back to his uh, younger form. Six innings pitch, no earned runs. Uh, It was never in doubt. 8-3 win, no-brainer. Tuesday was a 3-2 loss. Alzale looked pretty good again. Uh, Only gave up one hit. It was a home run on the first pitch against uh, Acuna, but he does that to a lot of people. He only did go four and a third. He pitched himself into a little bit of trouble. Uh, so so Joe pulled him, but his pitch count was a little bit high. Close game, just could not pull it out. I believe in Ozzy Albee's homer late was the reason for the loss off of Mike Montgomery, which was tough to swallow, but Ozzy Albee's has clo- uh, pretty much just cemented himself as a cup killer, along with Nick Markakis, who also had a really big week for the Braves. Uh, Wednesday, uh, 5-3 loss. Darvish looked pretty awful. Uh Five earned runs. There was a 25-minute rain delay, and rain is a nice way of putting it. It was an absolute downpour. The lightning struck, I want to say, a block away from the park, so it was probably one of the loudest noises I've ever heard, and there was a video caught in the dugout of Chris Bryant jumping up and running away. What they don't show in the video is the four ball boys standing there, not jumping up and running away. I think it's important to note. So 5-3 loss there. Uh, Thursday... They salvaged the series split with a 9-7 win, but it did not come easy. They were down 5-1 to one very early. Tyler Chatwood was bad, uh, gave up six runs total. And then the Cubs just kind of 
piece their way back. One one run here, two runs here, a couple homers, timely hitting, ended up winning the game 9-7. Of course, the highlight of the game had nothing to do with the game. It was the fact that Cookie Monster sang the seventh inning stretch, and he was absolutely phenomenal, probably the best I've ever heard. And also That's going to be an electric one. Sorry to cut you off there, but you know when I hear something like that, I gotta, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't jump in. I've never been so starstruck in my life because he was in on the field before the game, and we got to meet Cookie Monster. And I That's... like you, yeah, you meet all these celebrities all the time, and Cookie Monster by far was the biggest 50th anniversary of Sesame Street. I think you know something impressive about Cookie Monster is he's been in the spotlight that long, and you know no major scandals have come out. You know you gotta gotta. Lift your hat to that. Yeah, very Jeter-esque. But uh, Cookie Monster, there was a bit of a scandal. It wasn't by his own doing. It was the uh, the small stint of trying to make him Veggie Monster, which did not work well. Um, oh, that was, that was bad news. Was, bad, what, yeah. are they, what are they doing? This is Sesame Street, guys. Let's, uh, let's clean it up. Anyway, uh, to close out that game, Kimbrel makes his Cubs debut against his former team, gets the save, a little bit of dramatics on the way. Uh, but he looked pretty good. Uh, final ground out to first base. Kimbrell just didn't run off the mound, and Rizzo had to dive to first base to end the game. But he got a save, and he looks pretty good. Uh, then Cubs travel to Cincinnati after that long homestand, I believe it was 10 games, to face a Reds team that just has their number. It was just like the Pirates in 2016, who probably won like 12 of the 19 games. That's what's going to happen with the Reds this year, it's looking like. Uh but Thursday was a uh, let's see oh Friday it was Friday Saturday Sunday so Friday was a six three loss and it was a, a tough one too because Hamels only went one inning and then got I want to say an oblique injury something wrong with his side and uh, not good I mean the Cubs will be getting Kyle Hendricks back uh, next week but still we'd like to have Hamels there too he's been one of our consistently good pitchers but we took the six three L on that one. Uh, you, you lose the momentum when you lose the starter. Montgomery looks pretty awful again. Certainly look like we're on the band end of another one of those trades, losing Daniel Vogelbach, now a all-star. Then Saturday was a 6-0 win, very good 6-0 win in the sense that Quintana might actually be back. He went six innings, gave up six hits and no runs, which is not what his June has been like beforehand, so it's good to see that. Javi Baez had a grand slam. The game ended in the more exciting fashion, and this is my part of my big story of the week with uh, Pedro Strope throwing a ball. Looks semi-intentional, wouldn't know on a 3-0 count. Hits Yasiel Puig. Yasiel Puig takes offense to it. A lot of shoving, not a lot of anything else, but it was a lot of stupidity. And the quotes afterwards are phenomenal. I'll have to pull those up when we talk about the big story. Sunday looked like a chance to get a little revenge on the Reds, but uh, no, 8-6 loss. It was a close game until the end, and then the the bullpen gave up like five runs in the eighth inning. Jason Hayward hit a three-run homer in the ninth, but it was not enough. Uh, bullpen was just bad. So that's the Cubs week, three and four, and they really got to clean it up because I'm getting kind of tired of these two and three win weeks. But, uh, Pat, what did, our, uh, what did our White Sox do? Maybe could cheer us up a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, this was a very – I was so this week was a little up and down. Uh, they finished three and three, took one of three against the Red Sox, and took two of three against the Twins. So overall, given the teams they're playing, I'm totally fine with the 500 finish. Uh, week opened looking like it was going to be great. Uh, on Monday, opened up the game. Uh, Yoan Moncada hit a home run over the Green Monster in his return to Fenway. Uh, that was also the return of John Jay. Uh, 
So, you know, a uh, running punchline in the White Sox, but he's at least now he's playing. Um, yeah, first game overall, it, it was going good. Giolito looked okay. Um, eventually he gave up uh, three earned runs on six hits uh, in 5.2. Uh, Herrera had a blown save in the eighth, which was a little questionable to me why they wouldn't bring in Kalume there for a uh, uh, two, like a, you know, a four out save, but uh, in any event, uh, they ended up walking off in the ninth on an infield single. Uh, Tim Anderson on a questionable decision through to first instead of any other base when the, with the bases loaded. Uh, that was that. Tuesday was another loss to the Red Sox, 3-6. Uh, this one started off great. Carson Fulmer, they used as an opener, which was fantastic and something I would like to see them continue to do. Maybe maybe once the injuries are down and uh, you know, maybe Dylan Covey and Manny Banuelos are back, use uh, Fulmer as an opener once through the order. But... You know, he looked good. Two innings, no runs, or one run unearned, though. Uh, three strikeouts, uh, and then it fell apart. Bullpen was terrible. Uh, just We had a 3-1 lead in the third, and then it just fell apart. So nothing really to do there. Biggest I- issue from that game was TA7 leaving with an ankle injury uh, late in the game. Planted to throw on wet ground, uh, sprained the ankle. Uh, ended up being a high ankle sprain, and he's on the 10-day DIL. I'm sorry. Uh, don't want to go back to the old way of saying things, but uh, so yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, Wednesday finally got the win against the Red Sox. It was 8-7. Um, uh, Abreu, McCann, and John Jay all had RBIs in the first to jump to a 3-0 leadoff Chris Sale, who despite his 10 strikeouts gave up five earned runs in the game, so that was great. Um, the Red Sox eventually got came back a little bit, got to 7-6, and then Abreu hit a game-winning home run in the ninth to push it to... Uh, 8-7. Interesting nugget about this game. Uh, Charlie Tilson started throwing up in the middle of the game, so he had to leave, which meant this was the second time this year the White Sox have lost the DH in a game. So, And that's a rule, right? If you lose the DH, yeah. the pitcher has to bat, right? Yeah, if the DH gets has to come out, the pitcher has to bat. So they lost the DH slot because uh, Charlie Tilson was throwing up in the locker room. So that was... Uh, luckily, they were still able to win with Anderson down, Moncada... Uh, yeah, Mankata kind of this. Oh yeah, this was that game. This was a game Mankata got hit by on the knee by a pitch, uh, and then immediately upon getting to first, had to run to third on an Abreu double, and then came out of the game uh, with some people calling him soft, which I don't really want to get into or address. But uh, so yeah, shot bench, but we were able to get through it. Well, Thursday was an off day, traveling back to Chicago, and then Friday was a six four win against the Twins, the first win against the Twins of the year, and the first in seven. Uh, after seven straight losses to the Twins by the Sox. So that was great. Uh, McCann had a two-run homer. Uh, you know, it was a back-and-forth game throughout the whole way. Um, yeah, Eloy eventually was able to push the lead in the eighth with a two-run homer. Uh, they ended up winning, like I said, 6-4. And Ross Detweiler, the uh, much-anticipated call-up from Charlotte we've all been waiting for, uh, was able to hold the Twins to uh, two earned runs. So overall, pretty good game. Saturday, not so much. Uh, this was the 3-1-2 game where, in true White Sox fashion, they sold the start time as part of a sponsorship, like the 7-11 first pitch time uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, so they lost that one uh, in front of a big crowd, 3-10, to just never really a close game. Uh, Nelson Cruz hit two home runs. Max Kepler hit two home runs. Uh, the only saving grace in this one was Eloy hitting a home run in the ninth. Uh, it was a missile to left center, but... Outside of that, nothing really going for us there. And then today, Sunday, uh, Giolito took the mound. 
Uh, was able to get up to his 11th win, had five innings, four strikeouts, uh, no runs, and only one hit. The only thing that could stop him today, unfortunately, was Mother Nature. Uh, it was rain delay in the middle of the game, so he had to come out. Um, but yeah, Sox, they were able to jump to a 4 nothing lead, which uh, Evan Marshall gave up three earned runs. Uh, you know, it's kind of surprising after him that he had, didn't give up an earned run in his first 17 of the innings of the season. Now he's struggling a little bit, but ultimately Colome was able to come in, shut the door. Uh, Sox win 4-3. So like I said, a 3-3 three and three week against two really good teams. Uh, Red Sox struggling, but still a talented team, and the Twins absolutely running through the AL. So I can't really complain too much about this one. Yeah, so a few things. One, I love John Jay. He was a really good Cub, so I don't care what anybody says. Like, there is, it's a very small factor of a guy being a good clubhouse guy, but he actually is in the sense that, like, if he's, like, even close to being come up to bat, he's got one day on a top step. He's, like, cheering and going crazy all the time, so he's a good dude. Uh, another is a question for you, Pat, and this is not the final question, but this is a question based on uh, what you've just stated happened during to your DH. Have you ever gotten sick during a baseball game in which you were playing i you know i don't if we're talking about actual baseball i can't think of any other probably was when you know back when we were like eight but can't remember that you know there's a couple times uh in the wiffle ball world championship tournament you know after that lunch break you get to the fourth game in the afternoon after throwing down a couple hot dogs that doesn't feel too good running the bases but luckily i've mostly been a dh in that capacity so my uh movement in the field is limited so you know, I'm able to tough it out. Yeah, I remember um, playing Little League. I was probably like 9 or 10. And Big League Chew was huge. You know, oh, boy. Pouches of gum. And I put just a humongous wad of that gum in my mouth. And it was like a long inning, like an inning that lasted like 45 minutes. And uh, it got it like went bad in my mouth. And I just ran off the field. That does not, it, it does not stay good. No, it doesn't. It's it really bad. So I was throwing up, and then I just like you know got back in the game, kept playing. So I, I guess there's some sort of uh, grit to be had there. Oh yeah. Okay, so that is our weekly recap. Um, let's start with the Cubs for the big story, and I kind of alluded to it. It was the Pedro Strobe coming in. And hitting Yasiel Puig, Yasiel Puig doing what Yasiel Puig does, and is he's big on the hold me back, hold me back, but not actually doing anything. Um, but I'm looking up the quotes now from it, and it actually is pretty funny. Uh, Strobe's response to um, uh, Puig doing what he always does. So when when asked about Puig overreacting. Strobe said, maybe because it was a 3-0 pitch, maybe it looks weird. I wasn't commanding my sinker, and I didn't want to leave a cookie 3-0. He'll swing 3-0, basically. So they read his lips. I told him, why are you talking? You have a chance to do whatever you need to do on the mound. Now you're just screaming. So basically, Strobe's saying, if you want to come get me, come get me. But they asked him why Puig always does this stuff, and Pedro Strobe said, it's not a secret. He's stupid. He's stupid as fuck. I have nothing against him, but he's stupid, and there's no doubt about it. That's, I actually that, love this. That, that's hilarious. That's I don't know if that quite beats the Max Muncy, if you want me to stop walking, go get the ball out of the ocean, but that's got to be right up there. It's fantastic. And the um, 
the organist for the Dodgers, I want to say the next time the Giants were in town, played all these songs that reference the ocean, like Beyond the Sea by Bobby <laughs> Darren and all that. So you got to love that kind of creativity. It's not uh, Auburn football, take the money and run yeah, levels of that good, was... but it's pretty good. Dude, that's one thing I'm thinking, though, like there's this news coming out, everybody's saying, oh, we all know he's stupid. Like, I mean, this is the guy that licks his bat before he goes up there. So, <laughs> I mean, is this? I, I wouldn't exactly call this a huge news dump in the cycle, but it's those quotes are awesome. I just, I would, I would have loved to see that fight though. That would have been a good one. That would have been a really good one. Like, there's all, like, all the Cubs fans are saying Strobe would win, Puig. All I'm saying is it would be really good, but Puig's like, I don't know. He kind of sparks me as this guy who's like really muscular. But throw him in like a bar fight situation, and he's just not going to be capable of doing something. I don't know. I could be totally wrong on that. I wouldn't mess with the guy, but I'm just saying. Speaking of bar fights, this is completely off base and has no place in this conversation. But who was the Cubs prospect like five years ago that got hit by the pitch and then went at somebody holding his bat until he got pulled back? Do you remember who that was? I think it was Soler. Was that Soler? Yeah, that's what I thought. I think he ended up throwing the bat too, or on the bat of the umpire or something. I can't I, remember. I see because I remember that was back before you know they turned the corner in their rebuild. So I was like, ah, dumb Cubs. They can't oh, do yeah. anything right. And then I was uh, promptly uh, proven wrong. But yeah, that it, that it kind of hearing this whole thing kind of made me think of that. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, we've talked about this now two or three times based on the different fights that have uh, been happening around the league. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a big deal about getting hit you might as well charge the mound. I think hitting yeah. them intentionally is stupid. I don't even know if it was intentional. I don't think it was. But it very well could have uh, been. But all this gabbing and hold me back stuff is just mm-hmm. so soft. Yeah, that's what, that's what I always thought. If you're yeah, if you're going to start saying stuff and then you kind of walk to first and keep your business, like it's kind of like, yeah, just if you're going to do it, just do it. Um, that's what, to me, back... Uh, going back to this, the whole Tim Anderson Royals thing was so weird to me because he wasn't really saying much. He was just walking first, and then the catcher got between him and the pitcher, and that's when things. So I just you know there's a little bit of uh, nastiness going on on both sides here. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I would have loved to see some fireworks blow out of that Cubs Reds game. Yeah, maybe it sparks up the team. You know, the Cubs need a spark. Uh, Pat, you may have alluded to your story as well, but uh, what's the big story for the White Sox this week? Yeah, so I think um, in terms of White Sox, a lot of news this week. Uh, we had uh, bad injury news for Zach, Bur- uh, Zach Birdie and Jake Berger, both having setbacks in their uh, journeys back from injuries. We had the TA7 injury, uh, the DFA of Odrissimer, Despagne, and Yonder Alonso. But I think the biggest one has to be by far, I mean, this is no doubt, uh, the return of John Jay. No, I'm <laughs> kidding uh usually the biggest story right now is the news that came out today that dylan cease uh is coming up to start wednesday july 3rd the first game of a split doubleheader against the tigers uh first game is a makeup uh from a rain out earlier in the year so that's obviously he's the prospect this year we've all been waiting for you know zach collins is all good and fun but cease is the guy we're waiting for uh eloy made his debut and now finally you know, with Kopech hurt, uh, Birdie's been hurt, Dunning's hurt. We finally get one of these pitching prospects to come up and show what he can do. It, some people say, like, okay, he's been struggling so far uh, in the minors this year. He hasn't had the best numbers. I mean, he's 
uh, what's his record? He's five and two with a four, four, eight ERA. Um, his strikeout per nine is 9.6. His walk per nine is 4.2. So obviously not the best numbers there. His whip is a little over one five, but I mean, numbers to me don't really matter in this case, you know, not being that guy that all oh, stats don't mean anything, but we all know he has this stuff. He is a high nineties fastball and he has an electric curve. My viewpoint has been, he's going to struggle when he comes up here, regardless of how well he would pitch it in triple a this year. So just bring him up, let him get those licks. And, you know, so that way we can hit the ground running in 2020 a little bit better with Kopech coming back and Rodon not coming back till I, I don't even know, maybe even the end of next summer. So that's the big news of the week. The one disappointing thing for me is, well, one, I would have liked to see him start against the Cubs. That's not going to happen. Uh, that would have been a good, uh, if that were like his debut that Saturday game. Other thing for me is at first the news came out, he was going to come up on the third. And I have tickets to the night game on the third. So I'm like, oh man, they're gonna put they're not gonna put him in the day game. Nobody's gonna go to that. It's a Wednesday. And then today they announced he's gonna be pitching in the day game. So now it's like, oh man, now I'm gonna go to the night game where we're probably gonna have like, I don't even Rust Detweiler or I, I don't even at least it's not Despagne starting, but I you know, I still I got my dollar hot dogs. So that's at least some sort of solace they're giving me. But uh yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing what Cease can do in the majors this year. Yeah, definitely. Big question here, too. What is the minimum number of hot dogs you would go for for it to be considered a success? Oh, that's going to be a tough one. I So the big thing about Dollar Dog Day that I learned last year is if you get there early, you can get a big number up there. So I would personally, in a perfect world, I don't know, you know, you'd like to see maybe a five or a six spot on there. But realistically, once the game gets going and the crowd's there, because Believe me, even in a rebuild, Dollar Dog Day brings out the masses to 35th and Shields. Uh, I remember last year, it, it was the last game of the season, and I'm waiting in line for a hot dog. It was an inning and a half. I was standing in line to pay $1 for a hot dog. So, <laughs> do, they, uh, do they cap you like they cap the beers? Like you could only grab I, no, two they beers? do. I, I think it's they give, it's only four per person at a single time. Because people will go up there. I remember people, the people in front of me are like, oh, yo, can I get a 10 hot dogs? Because you get meatballs like that that want it. But yeah, they kept you. I believe it's f- at least last year it was four per purchase. But you can go up there as many times as you want. But yeah, that's the thing. Once the game gets going, you're standing in line for so long that it it's really limiting. That, you know, it makes you even want to go get something else because that opportunity cost or whatever the ac- economics people call it. Definitely something to look forward to. It's uh, I, I take hot dog day so much better than actual dog day at the park. Like any day. Oh, it's just, it's, you know, it's dog days, you know, it's good on TV in person. It gets a little messy out there, but uh, dollar dog day. That's, that's my kind of night. It could be like the Chicago wolves where you can adopt dogs like at the game all the time. Maybe you only have to pay a dollar for an actual dog or something like that. Okay. That might be something they want to push. Do- like dollar adoption fee or something like that. We're getting dollar we're dog, ideas yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> we're going a little bit too fast for our own good. Okay. So, Player of the week, I'll start. Uh, I'm giving it to Jason Hayward, who's absolutely tearing it up right now, which is great to see because we're paying him to absolutely tear it up. Uh, this week, eight hits. Um, he's batting 270 on the year, 13 homers, 34 RBIs. The last seven games, though, batting 417 with three homers and just as important-ish, eight walks. So you can't ask for a little bit more, any more than that. He also robbed a home run against the Reds. It was one of those where the player tipped the cap afterwards, which is something I would never do. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we already know he's a gold lover year after year. And now that the bat is catching up, it's starting to look like the rest of this contract won't be so horrid. Dude, that's, yeah, that's really good to see out of the all-star final vote finalist. Um, not final vote, starters election. Uh, that's my bad. I don't believe we know the final vote participants yet. But yeah, I mean, like you said, we all know what Hayward can do on defense. If he can hit like kind of like he did early in his career in Atlanta, then that's going to make uh, the outfield a lot more short up, especially down the stretch. You're probably not going to be seeing guys like uh, Cargo out there as much as he he's still on the team, right? I I remember yeah, he had that debut, yeah. and then I have not heard his name since then. So Joe loves him. He plays him every other day, and it Jesus. just it astonishes me. I don't know. I don't is, get it. But is is he taking advice from Kenny Williams on that one? I, you know what? He might be, but it, it's one of those things where you see Elmore on the bench usually when a lefty's in, and I just don't get it. Like, no, that it was like sense. the uh, Tommy Lasella made the All Star game, and. Joe Madden was asked about it because he was a Cub for the last, you know, four mm-hmm. seasons. And Joe Madden had like one of the dumbest quotes. It was like, yeah, I didn't think he was capable of uh, stringing that many good games together and playing at that level. I was like, yeah, dude, because you never played him like <laughs> two games in a row. I bet if you tried, like you might've seen something. And now we have Daniel Descalzo who's batting like 175 as opposed to having Listella who's, yeah. who would have stayed for sure. If you gave him the money, uh, and yeah, you're just good. And now with Zobras gone, it's like, yeah, you could have definitely used time of Estella this year. Yeah. I mean, I think now that whole story from a couple of years back where he wouldn't report to AAA when he got sent down is making a lot more sense. Just seeing the type of talent and numbers he's able to put up when he's playing full time. So might've looked a little bit bad back then, but I think now that's starting to make a little bit more sense. Now why he reacted that way. Yeah, that sounds about right to me, too. So who was the player of the week for the White Sox, Pat? So this was a tough one for me. I I thought I had it locked up. You know, a couple guys had big weeks. Uh, Abreu made his case for the All-Star game. McCann did. Uh, Giolito had a great start today. And then we really came down to two people here. And I wanted to give this to John Jay so badly. One, because he had a great week. He had a couple RBIs. He's hitting a, a tick below 400. Uh, against the Red Sox, he had a great play where he scored from second on a ground out, which I think is, you know, that veteran presence you were talking about, just knowing what's going on. Um, and, you know, if he's playing, I don't have to watch Ryan Cordell and uh, Charlie Tilson playing every day. So, and again, he was the, him getting called up was the reason Odris Amor Despagne got DFA'd. So a lot of things to like there, but overall I'm giving it to Yoan Moncada. Yeah, he had a big week. He hit about 460, I believe it was. If the numbers are right, he had two home runs, a whole handful of RBIs. One of those home runs was a bomb over the monster, which batting from the he's batting right-handed, which is really good to see him starting to turn it around on that side of the plate. Because last year he was okay on the left side, but hitting from the right side he was just brutal. So this year, I mean, you know, we're seeing what he's doing numbers-wise, but is the right side still behind the left? But it's definitely getting better. So overall, uh, another encouraging week from Yoan Moncada. Didn't end up making the all-star team, which is disappointing, but still on track for about a five-war season, so I will certainly take that any day of the week. Definitely. So, yeah, you, you mentioned war. I'm just looking back at Jason Hayward really quick. Career war so far, 36.3. Not bad. Player comparison, who I will eventually talk about later, is Yadi Molina, who's at like a 39. So, Jason Hayward's a Hall of Famer? Possibly, right? That's I, the argument, right? I think if you were to, he has the will to win too, and the will to win plus. 
Dude, they both. Yeah, that God, that that's crazy. That I didn't even realize his yacht. This is Yachty we're talking about. His war was that low. I, I would have. I mean, I I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but I would have thought like if you're making that uh, argument, that's higher than thirty nine. That's like not for how long he's played. That's not that good. That's like what like three war a season. Something like that. Yeah. That's, that's be- like below an all star level. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Oh, um, this just in. Not not really. I just actually just saw it now. Cargo has been put on waivers. So. Ah, uh, man. So I, I a little bit of foreshadowing there with me asking if he's even on the team. I was probably right. You definitely were because this happened yesterday. <laughs> so I just didn't know about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, this is great radio. Uh, speaking of great radio, we will be starting our favorite segment every week, and I will be going first because. Patrick Bovard has promised that this is the best one he's ever had. The LinkedIn player profile is back where we look at the LinkedIn of a former Cub and a former White Sox, see what they're up to, talk about their careers, maybe incite some fun memories. So mine this week is more known for his name than his playing. It's Rocky Cherry. And Rocky Cherry was a Cub for, I think, like three or four months before he was traded. Um but as soon as my LinkedIn can open, there's some actually pretty interesting facts about him, and I bet he's very excited to see a, a another former Cub employee looking up his information. So he went to Capel High School, which I think is in Oklahoma, and he was a 1995 state champion in baseball. That is on his LinkedIn. That is something you can't you can't, you can't make take up. that away. You, you can't take that away from him. He probably still wears the ring. He ended up going to the University of Oklahoma, played four years there, four-time All-Big 12 team, ranked in the top 10 of OU's career wins, appearances, innings pitch. It was part of two NCAA tournaments. Again, this is what he put on there. This is not like me reading his Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. And this is under the education section, so it only gets better. Um, <clears throat> he has a lot of stuff under each one. So uh, pitch in the minor pitcher for the Cubs from 2002 to 2007 because they drafted him. Pitch in the minor leagues four plus years prior to getting major league call up in, in April of 2007. Acquired his first loss on April 27th to the Milwaukee Brewers on a Prince Fielder home run in the 11th inning. Acquired his first win on May 2nd over the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is what he wrote in. I'm going to keep going because it gets Wait, This is on his LinkedIn. This is on his LinkedIn. He talked about. Oh my God, that's. Oh, it gets better. Okay, so. 2007. I'm a little nervous about my claim now. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Uh, traded to the Baltimore Orioles along with Scott Moore for Steve Traxel, the human rain delay, on August 31st, 2007. Acquired his first save against the Chicago White Sox at a score of 4-3 to on April 28th. With a quote, all I remember was the players' names getting bigger and bigger. A.J. Przinski, Carlos Quentin, Jermaine Dye, Ken Griffey Jr., and Jim Tomei. He uh, he said. Also, he recorded. <laughs> he said as because he wrote this. Like wait, he wrote like he talking he wrote, about himself in the, in the third person. Yes, I need also, to change he, up my LinkedIn. Yeah. Also, he recorded the last out Derek G, uh, the last out Derek Derek Jeter at Old Yankee Stadium in September twenty first. So he was the last pitcher uh, away pitcher to pitch at Old Yankee Stadium. Um. Derek Jeter was the all-time hit leader at Old Yankee Stadium and the first batter at the New Yankee Stadium. That is what he wrote on his LinkedIn. You know, you gotta you gotta like a player who respects you know his brethren. Definitely, it's good to okay. See. It's bigger than baseball. 
goes to the Mets for five months. He was taken off the Baltimore Orioles, 40-man roster, and drafted the Major League Rule 5 draft in December, signed a Major League contact with the Mets with guaranteed money. <laughs> he had a low two The ERA best kind of money. Yeah, guaranteed. He had a low two ERA through spring training before they released him, and he signed to the Red Sox. Red Sox. Pitched for the AAA affiliate Boston Red Sox, hoping to get, hoping for the call-up to Boston. Had a low one ERA through the All-Star break. Boston, Boston had the best bullpen that year with almost no injuries. <laughs> he was released by the Red Sox in late August and picked up by the Padres, finishing his career in the Pacific Coast League in 2009. Now oh, he gets awesome. better. The last nine years and ten months, he's been the vice president of Cherry Painting Company. And this is what he put. During Rocky's baseball career, he stayed close to the business because of the lack of pay in the minor leagues. He would estimate he would estimate for cherry paint during the offseason to help supplement income. That was a blessing because he returned full-time and it was an easy transition to the real world. Currently, he oversees the accounting department. Also, his duties consist of being a project manager and an estimator and overall business development. A lot of lot to say there about Rocky Cherry currently in Texas, 500 plus connections. And that was a lot of a, a a lot LinkedIn player profile, but I will say every single word was worth it knowing that he sat down and wrote all of it. That's yeah, that, that is a hell of a profile. The one thing I got to say though, based off that last part is do not let him and Adam Eden into the same room. Definitely. Cause Adam, <laughs> cause Adam Eden thinks that the players and the minors are, yeah. it, it, it builds character. Yeah, Rocky Cherry wouldn't be uh he wouldn't be this mentally strong if he actually got paid a living wage in the minors. Like, could you even imagine? What a like, how, how soft players is. would get? Oh <laughs> that was that oh god, that was absurd. Was uh, uh Cease part of the Adam Eaton deal? Or what, what who how did you get Cease? Was he Chris Sale? Cease? Yeah. Dylan Cease? Yeah. He was in the Eloy trade. Eloy trade. That's oh well, he was part of the Cubs. That's right. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Gio Giolito and uh Lopez and Dunning were the Eden trade and the sale trade was uh Moncada, Kopech, and Basabe. God, we got fleeced in that one. Holy cow, I didn't need to hear that. That's I mean, why I was hoping his debut would be against the Cubs. That would have been, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he would have probably... And every single pitcher who's making their major league debut mm-hmm. against the Cubs is guaranteed seven innings of two-hit baseball. It's like a given. So That's, that would have been a good start to his career. I would have taken that every day of the week. All right, Pat, sorry to uh, almost upstage you on a guy I literally picked 15 minutes before we started recording. But I'm very excited to hear who your LinkedIn player profile of the week is. Yeah, man, I got really big shoes to fill now. Um, I guess before we get started, I just want to run this by you because some some people will know this name right away and know exactly where I'm going to go with this. And most people will probably be like, I don't know, did not know that guy ever played for the Sox. So the name's Sean Tracy. That ring in any bells? Anything? No, it just reminds me of Sean Casey. But no, ah, the guy that got thrown out at first from left field by Pablo Ozuna. Yes, back in the day. that's the guy. Got it. Well, unfortunately, this Sean, uh, well, fortunately, I guess for him, he never got thrown out from left field. But here we go. Uh, he was a relief pitcher that played seven career games with the White Sox. And that, those were his only games in baseball, all in 06. Um, so a little recap of his career. He was drafted in the eighth round of the 02 draft by the White Sox, worked his way through the system, got up to AAA in 06 before eventually getting the call. On June 8th, uh, had a very effective outing, going two innings with three strikeouts and a hit, no runs. Uh, he made seven appearances that year. Nothing noteworthy. 3-3 ADRA, three strikeouts, uh, five walks, 
and then never played in the majors again after this year. But in those seven games is one of the most ridiculous uh, White Sox stories. That I don't remember how this came to me uh, a couple days ago, but uh, let me take you back a little bit to June 14th, 2006. This is his third career appearance. They're playing the Rangers, and earlier in the game, A.J. Pierzynski had gotten hit by two pitches uh, from Vincente Padilla. So I, I, try, I was trying to find a video. I don't know if they were intentional or not, but anyways, that's how the stage was. Seventh inning, former Ranger great Hank Blaylock is at the plate. So that's that's taking me back a while there. Uh, Ozzy goes to the bullpen and brings in Sean Tracy. Uh, Sean Tracy, uh, two inside pitches miss Blaylock, and then he gets him to ground out. So out of the inning, done. Ozzy, on the other hand, wanted him to hit Blaylock. So after the inning, pulls him aside, screaming at him, like literally grabbing his jersey. I couldn't find the video, but they were saying, you know, pulled his jersey like literally over his head for not hit for not hitting Hank Blaylock and instead getting him out, uh, just screaming at him for like what seemed like minutes. After the game, they asked Ozzy, like, you know, what what happened? And he was like, oh, I just didn't want him in, in that situation. They asked Sean Tracy, and he just he did not comment. It was just no comment. So this obviously, you know, Ozzy, old school guy, Sean Tracy decided, hey, maybe it's better if I get the guy out instead of hitting him. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think that's pretty logical. Way ahead of his time. Oh, it was, you know, he he would have fit right in now in this MLB. But the next day, June 15th, 2006, he was sent down to AAA. Immediate, like basically immediately after the game, sent down because he didn't hit him. Got pulled out of the game and sent down. I've definitely uh, heard this story before. I just didn't know it was him. It's, yeah. So wild time. I I thought that was his last career appearance, but I was wrong. He made a couple uh, spot call ups uh, the rest of the season, but yeah, that was easily the most memorable moment of his career. He bounced from there. He bounced around a lot. Uh, in 2007, he was in the Orioles system, was in AAA, never made it back to the majors. He might have been with Rocky Cherry. He, he might have. Yeah. In fact, he um, unfortunately, unfortunately, they uh, he didn't stick there long. Uh, after that, he went to the Mexican League to play for the, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, the Aguiles de Mexicali. Uh, so that Sounds was two years me. there. Uh, 2009, he then went to the Newark Bears of the Atlantic League. Uh, 2009, 2012, there's a little bit of radio silence. I have no idea what he did. And then 2012, he made a comeback in baseball. Not in the major leagues, but in the Australian league, playing for the Perth Heat. Can't beat uh, the Heat. No. Was, I, I don't know much about the Australian Baseball League, but I'm sure he was a star there. Uh, 2013 to 2015, he came back to the States, this time playing for the Laredo Lemurs of the American Association, a city I know well. Uh, played there for three years. Um, I think they won the league one of those years. So he was a, without a doubt, a key cog of those teams. Uh, and that was last he played baseball, 2015. Uh, after baseball, he was the pitching coach at Claremont McKenna College in California. Actually, wait, no, I'm wrong. That was during his playing career from 2011 to 14. So he was splitting time between the Perth Heat, at the Laredo Lemurs, and being a pitching coach. So that's that's something. It's a lot of airline miles. Yeah, seriously. That's man. He's probably he probably gets first class whenever he wants. But what is he doing now? Not baseball related. I don't know. But according to LinkedIn, when I finally found his page, 
He was from 2014 to 2016 a marine technician for Bulldog Boat Repairs. With uh, you had some good quotes on your in your profile. His this was the comment on his, that job uh, in that job time. Using personal assets to do a W two paid job didn't add up. <laughs> so that's that's the only description of that job. It just it didn't add up. Stop doing it in 2016, and I have no idea what he's done since then. You know, if things don't add up, don't stick around. So it's not the worst uh, piece of advice you can get from his his LinkedIn. That was that wow. was wonderful. That was I thought I thought that was going to be a good one, but I, I think it, you know it was hard to follow up in the shoes of Rocky Cherry, but Many I think this might, I think you know if we combine both of us, this was one of our better segments. Absolutely. Okay, that is the end of episode 15 of the Shoes Go. Podcast, but we will end the way we always end with a question that Pat has not heard. Pat, this is a pretty easy one. I think I already know my answer to it. Of all the White Sox prospects, some of them up, some of them not up, some of them making their debut, who's going to have the best career when all is said and done? Ooh, that is a tough one. <clears throat> you know, there's a couple different ways I could go with this. Do I go with a try to make a savvy pick so that way if it works out, I can, you know, pull this podcast up in 15 years and be like, oh, yeah, look, I was right. But I think I, I think I have to go with Eloy. I, I like Yoan Moncada. I want Kopech to be great. Uh, there's a couple guys in the minors that I see being very good. Uh, uh, most notably, I think, you know, Cease is going to have a good career. Uh, you know, I see Luis Rob, Robert. Uh, tearing it up. Maybe if I had seen him play more, I would feel differently. But right now, just Eloy, like I just watch him and he has these like Ken Griffey-esque swings where it looks like he's kind of just warming up and then he puts the ball 470 feet into the stands. Like he's he's butchering the field, but at the plate, like just that type of swing you don't see too often. And for me, that's I, it, I it's hard for me to go any other direction. Yeah, it's kind of how I figured you'd go. It's just like I see these things, and it's like it's literally like effortless, just kind of, you know, just looks like he flings his arms a little bit, and the ball's flying 110 miles off the bat, 450 feet away from home. It's, it's like I said, it's a type of swing you don't see often. I don't want to compare him to Ken Griffey, but it's that, you know what I'm talking about? It's that same, like, kind of just like beautiful, like, sw- like the batting stance is weird, but the swing path is just that this beautiful, effortless thing that just you don't see very often. Yeah, that follow-through is, is pretty great. I had the pleasure of getting to watch my favorite swing for three games this week in Josh Donaldson. I think he has the best swing in baseball, too. But when he's trying to hit homers, no one looks more ridiculous. Like, he just absolutely <laughs> swings out of his shoes. I'm going Lou Bob on this one. I said that yeah, as yeah. soon as he signed with him. I just like speed guys, and I think he's going to be he's gonna be what Billy Hamilton should have been with more power, right? So if mm-hmm. Billy Hamilton could just bat 280, he'd be like a borderline Hall of Famer with that speed, but he just can't do it. And I think that, not to say that Lou Bob is going to be, or I'll call him by his real name, Luis Robert, is going to be a Hall of Famer, but I, w- I do think of this crop, that was the one that got me the most excited about uh, seeing him play a couple games. I, th- I think the thing about him, which I was listening to, uh, I forget, I think it was Chuck Garfine talking to Chris Getz last week. And Chris Getz had a quote that when they called him up from single A when he was hitting, I don't know what it was, like 470 over like 25 games. It's like it, like his quote was just like, yeah, it was like getting dangerous for him to be in single A. So we had to call him up to double A. Yeah, which, is just almost like, yeah. which is literally just like you're talking about professional athletes. And it's like, yeah, it was just too dangerous for him to be playing at that level, which is insanity. But 
I love it. Yeah, that's maybe if I had seen him play more, I'd go that way. But yeah, until you know, until I get proven otherwise, I'm, I got to go with Eloy. Awesome. You know, okay. I do got to say at Soxfest, uh, Luis Robert was easily 80 grade eye test. That guy looks, he looks like a ball player. He's got, I feel like there's a cesspit as feel to him too. He could just oh, yeah. stay injury free. I don't know if he'll show up to uh, spring training riding a horse, but I wouldn't put it past him. That would be, if he, if he did that, I would be willing to change my answer. So if you're listening to this, uh, Luis, that's, that's all you got to do. Also, if you're listening to this 15 years from now, Patrick Bovard, good call. Oh, yeah. All right. So that is the end of episode 15. Thank you, Gordon Beckham. Thank you, Darwin Barney and all the others who wore 15 for our teams. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes while it's still around or at lmbfsports.com. And remember, folks, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Pat, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, great as always. Uh, looking forward to talking to you next week after the we find out who wins the vaunted, the hallowed Wintrust Crosstown. I don't even know is a cup or classic or series. I don't even know what it is anymore, but whatever it is, we're going to find out who wins next weekend. Awesome. All right. And we'll have plenty to talk about for sure. Take care, everyone. Come on, baby, don't you make me laugh.